Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, who is president of All Metals and Forge Group. If you're looking for open die forgings and seamless roll rings, go to steelforge.com. You can check out this show at jacketmediaco.com. Joining us today is Tim Fiore, committee chair of the Manufacturing Report on Business from the ISM Institute for Supply Management. Tim, again, welcome. We look forward to the report you're going to share with us. Yeah, good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Quite a quite a report for the month of May. You know that May is usually a really strong manufacturing month, and sure enough, it was this month, too. Uh, our seasonality factors actually stepped it down a little bit. It would have been higher without the seasonality factors, but Really good report. I mean, it just really supports the fact that we're labor constrained and we've been labor constrained for the last five or six months and it's just getting worse. And, you know, the, the reason I, I believe that is you saw the production number not expand as greatly as it had in the prior month and the employment number just barely expanded. So it's still a labor constrained activity here. The supplier delivery numbers are still very high. Uh, inventory came back to a flat level really month to month. Uh, I think everybody would have liked to have seen that grow, but a lot of records broken too this month. So where do you guys want to start? <laughs> well, you know, I'm always fascinated by the comments that your respondents make. So uh, you know, share some of those with us, because that gives us a little better feel for what they're feeling. Um, me, before, uh, little... before you start with that, yeah, um, I have some questions. So I as we go through those. So uh, let's not skip from one to the next, the next, the next, because I, I do have some commentary I'd like to ask you, being okay. a, a professional. All right. Uh, hey, overall, the sentiment was 36 to one. 36 positive feelings versus one not so positive. Wow. And those not so positives are now low single digits. I mean, we're talking maybe four or five comments. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, really strong performance there. Uh, you know, I've been watching what's happening on the labor side very closely. I'm starting now to look at the PCE too, the personal consumption expenditure index. I think, you know, everybody's concerned about inflation. That's the gauge that the Fed uses to gauge inflation. We had a pretty strong month in April, you know, stronger over the 2% target, but we'll see how all that kind of wears out. Uh, the pricing numbers are up again, uh, but on the employment side, so uh, on the higher to force manage. Now, force manage means layoffs, furloughs, attrition, and hiring freezes. We were 12 to one. So we had 12 people trying to hire to one trying to manage headcount. 83% of the employment comments were hiring related. And of that 83%, 50% noted difficulties in hiring. So I decided to dig in a little bit deeper, just not who's hiring, just are they having difficulty in hiring? And then there was a a significant amount, 20% of those felt that they were competing against outside forces, outside forces, meaning uh, unemployment compensation, as well as outfits mm-hmm. like uh, Amazon and the big box guys raising their minimum wages. So uh, now this could be anecdotal. I'm sure every supply manager who's calling their suppliers and says, I need 10 pieces. The first thing they're saying is I can't hire the people because they're all on unemployment. The second thing they say is I can't hire the people because Amazon's paying them more. So whether that's <laughs> true or not, I, I can't really say, but it showed up enough for me to record it this time. That's at least that's the that's the reasons that some of the suppliers are passing on to the panelists. Well, the manufacturing uh, employment situation existed before COVID. It only just got worse. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, there's been shortages and you know all of that stuff. Retirees, um, uh, 
low birth, birth rates and, you know, all that stuff. So this is going to be an ongoing issue until they start letting immigrants in the country. Well, that always helps. You know, I, I also think the thing that's going to help here is that we're now in the summer period. So taking care of your children now because they're not in school doesn't matter because everybody who has children knows what to do with them in the summertime. Right. So that's kind of gone away now. And the fact that the CDC is allowing uh, camps to reopen and you don't have to wear masks, that's all real positive. The, the other comments I got from the panelists is that the work floor is no longer as socially distanced as it used to be. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to compress people again to really maximize on the efficiencies of manufacturing. You know, back in the summer last year, we had to be very careful about that. There was no vaccine. You didn't want to be a spreader event. Uh, but those things seem to be diminishing now as the vaccine is being rolled out almost to half the population now. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, the unemployment stuff, I think, was very positive. In the last month, there's about 20 states that are eliminating the federal support as well as a special unemployment for the people who never paid into the pool, you know, the contractors. Uh, the, the, the question is, what are the other 30 gonna do? And most likely the other 30 are gonna keep that extra uh, benefit there. So we're not gonna really clear all this out until September, October, November of, uh, of this year. And I don't think the labor force will really get back into proper balance until probably Q1 of next year. Well, as long as we plod along, inching up as we go, it's okay by me. At a 61 plus number, I'm not complaining. That's that is the highest number that was registered in the last manufacturing run up 2016 to 2019. We didn't have a number that high then. I mean, right. we got to go back to 2004, I think, for a number that high. So we're already on our way here to surpass what we saw in that last manufacturing expansion, which is a high quality expansion, you know, slow, slowed down finally by tariffs, which have not come into the picture yet. But I'm thinking as the labor issues kind of recede a little bit, we're going to start to hear more about the tariff issues. I think I heard something last week uh, where uh, uh, China and U.S. have had conversations and they're looking at getting it reduced by the fall, if not eliminated. But I don't think he's going to, uh, Biden administration is going to eliminate it. Um, he wouldn't want to look like uh, caving in to uh, the Chinese. But I think that you're going to see a significant reduction in uh, maybe a phase down uh, of the tariffs. There's well, I think, I think they're going to, we'll probably continue to see them on China. I don't see that really going away. The U.S. trade rep seems to be pretty adamant about using that leverage to, mm -hmm. to try to get some kind of fairer playing field. It uh, doesn't sound that much different from Robert Lighthizer's approach. Uh, and I don't know that I'm really against that. We just kind of have to figure it out. And supply chains have been really strained over the last four or five years from the tariffs and then the pandemic. And, uh, you know, transportation issues are continuing, port backlogs and, right. and all that. And I'm sure my supply management professionals and associates are continuing to work on limiting the risk with extended supply, supply chains coming out of, uh, you know, sensitive areas like that. So, so you don't think that... Uh the Biden administration is going to look to use the tariffs as a bargaining chip. I don't know how you bargain with uh, two different systems of economic activity. I mean, I think, is it a fair playing field when you got a whole country facing off against you with cheap financing and favoring one over the other when, right. and you know, the Anglo system is one where it's up to the individual and the organization to succeed 
not really looking for other people to help it. We don't like to pick winners and losers, but that's not what happens in, the, in China. So uh, how that gets resolved, it's going to be difficult to figure it out. We're going to see how that plays out in the long run. Yeah. Lou, you and I were talking before the show, and you had some interesting questions on this particular report. I think inventories was one of them. Uh, yeah, inventory was one of them. Uh, many of your respondents uh, or your uh, uh, panel talks about uh, inventory and shortages and so on and so forth, but yet your number in the chart, uh, your graph shows that inventories went up 4%. Raw material inventory? The, your uh, inventories went up 4.3%. Uh, 4 Right, they went 4.3 points from last month. Last month they contracted. So remember, you know, month oh, yeah. to month, if right. it's the same, it's 50. So got it. It's uh, you know the month of May was essentially flat to the month of April. So right. uh, and with this kind of economic activity, you'd want it to grow. But the reason it's not growing is because the supplier delivery number is still outrageously high. Right. It, uh, it did relax a little bit, but you know, a couple points on an 88 doesn't. It's that, that's not a real signal. So, you know, I think the suppliers are continuing to struggle. Like I said, they're having trouble uh, getting labor to show up. They're dealing now with the extended lead times. Our lead time that we recorded for raw material was the highest ever. Hmm. Well, back to 78 or something. I think I heard right. somebody had a number right. earlier than that, but the longest <laughs> lead times for raw material that we've had. Some of that's probably driving now new order activity because you got to lay your orders in. If the lead times are shoved out, you got to cover them. So here's an indicator if you want to talk about this for a bit. I paid $3.39 a gallon of, premium, of uh, regular gas this weekend. $3.39 for regular. Right. $4 is on the horizon. <laughs> well, it is a holiday weekend, and they project a lot of people will be traveling as they were. You know, so a pretty strong demand on the automotive side. You saw the numbers on aerospace, the uh, travel. Three million yeah. people traveled over the holiday, so there's more planes flying. So that's somewhere around 10% of total oil consumption. So that's up. And then you probably had some hangover effects from the Colonial Pipeline that uh, still are not quite right. gone. They're not impacting us on a daily basis from a supply standpoint, but you know the prices are probably still up from that. So are you saying that I just made a bad choice to have a low gas tank over this weekend. <laughs> I think it just kind of happens. <laughs> just kind of. I, I think you should be happy you're not living in California. Uh, well, well, I don't like California anyway. Sorry, Californians. <laughs> no, they, they have the highest California. They have the highest uh, gas prices in the country. What What is that now? Oh, I think I think Tony mentioned four four something. Yeah, because they they put a yeah. lot of taxes on the fuel because of the whole environmental issue and right, right, highly taxed state. So they have high gas, no water, no fires. <laughs> Hopefully no fires this year. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on that. They've been having a drought now for quite a while. So I'm trying to kind of figure out whether we're peaking. We're peaking here. Uh, uh -oh. Peaking in terms of supply constraints as well as prices. Um, one of the things I'm watching is the transportation numbers, because I think when transportation numbers start to relax a little bit, that kind of indicates that we're getting more to equilibrium. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, we had 28% of the general comments were, uh, uh, were freight related, up from 25% in March, up from 15% in February. So mm. I mean, three points, okay, but still, it's still growing. Um, yeah. That's concerning. On the supplier delivery side, 35% uh, of the comments in supplier deliveries were about freight, 
uh, down from 38 in April. So I think we're still there at a high level on the freight side. And until that kind of clears up, I, I think that's going to be an early indicator of that supplier delivery number freeing up a little bit. So and I'm, I'm anxious for it to do that. But, you know, when that number comes down, what I'm hoping is it comes down five, six, maybe 10 points. You see inventory go up five, six, seven points, maybe. Uh, but more importantly, you see really uh, production unlocking and getting back up in that 60 range. I, I think for sure the story of the month here is that the factories were constrained because they don't have enough labor. 50.5, I think, on the 50.9 on the employment side. They weren't able to expand their workforce in the month of May. And they're still struggling with getting material, but the material issues are primarily related around labor issues there too, whether they be at the first year supplier or anywhere down in that supply chain. So anything that the panelists are seeing, the suppliers are seeing probably 2X. So uh, I don't know we're quite at the top yet, but you know we, we might be getting to the top and it's fine. I mean, that's, we can run at this level. We got tons of backlog, record backlogs again record backlog. I think that's the third or fourth month of record backlogs. Customer inventory is at record lows again. Uh, and like I said, lead times at record extensions. So uh, all, all really good report, really positive. So when you say, uh, quote unquote, we, we may be peaking, is that another nice word for their headwinds ahead? No, I, th I think, you know, I, I'm not even going to use the headwind. I think it's all obstacles now. It's like running an obstacle course. Right. You know, you got port issues, one obstacle. You got road freight issues, another obstacle. You got drivers, another obstacle. You got lead times, another obstacle. You got shortages. You got the chip issue that's going to get resolved. Uh, the plastics industries are opening back up. You know, thankfully, there, there's really no more force majeures but their sales allocation is still at play. So that's keeping pricing structures up on plastics and basic chemicals, which go into you know, pretty much everything. You know, I think if you noticed in my prices section, rather than try to list the stuff that was up in price, I said, pretty much everything's up in price. <laughs> I gave up. It wasn't worth picking anyone out. It's everything's up in price. I mean, you know, I had a number of panelists, you know, you know think, think six or seven who came back, you know, long experienced supply chain professionals saying that they've never in their 30 year careers seen anything like this in terms of lead time push outs, shortage issues, lack of transportation availability and prices going up out of, out of sight, so. Tim, are you commenting at all on the chip shortage? And I was just seeing the head of Intel saying it might be 2023 before it's resolved. Well, I think the, the general feeling across the community is that the chip issue is not going to go away in the short term. It's going to probably continue with us into Q4. Uh, but we've been able to kind of manage it. I mean, I, I don't think that the reason the production number is down is uh, purely because of chips. I think there's issues around that. You see it especially on the automotive side. Uh, they're continuing to have rolling furloughs and things because of lack of chips primarily. Uh, it is a long lead item. Uh, it doesn't get fixed really quickly. It takes a lot of capital. You know, I think there's a number of things that we got caught in here. Not only did we have demand forecasted that we then canceled and the chip guys aren't as flexible as you would kind of like, and then it all came back really dramatically. We had, you know, the increase in personal computing and we've got chips being deployed everywhere at the same time. And that last one is probably the one that most people don't fully understand that, you know, almost everything has a chip in it now. So, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll probably be a continuing obstacle of some type. 
but uh, you know, I, I think the, the panelists are kind of fighting through it. It's probably another couple of months of you know, serious fighting, trench warfare, and then it'll become a little bit more of uh, maybe not an exception, but something that isn't top of list every day. Jim, I don't know that you've specifically asked your respondents, but I know you have conversations with supply chain managers. Is there a move towards buying more domestically because you know the, the price parity between the US and China because of tariffs and whatnot uh, just makes it have more sense to buy domestically at this point? Is that well, happening to a great degree? It's hard to tell. I mean, we actually need to do probably a special survey to kind of ferret that out. Uh, but it's hard to do that too when you've got a, a $1,400 a ton you know, steel price in the U.S. It's hard to bring back fabricated products that are made in China. That they're, they're probably China's steel is probably somewhere around three or four hundred dollars a ton, and we're sitting here at fourteen hundred. It's hard to justify that. Uh, you, you probably are doing some TPO and some part prove out so that you have the capacity available when the pricing becomes more competitive. But you can see with the rise, the rise in prices here in the U.S. and even the chemical and plastics area in China, it's much more controlled. You know, that's one of the advantages of having that kind of a state. You don't have the, uh, the peaks and valleys that you do in the U.S. in terms of commodity prices. But I think even that is causing our panelists problems because they, they can't afford to pay 2x to, to localize. I mean, they, they can't afford to bring 10% of their demand in and pay 2x in well, the one of, the, of uh, protecting the supply chain. What, one of the issues with China is that uh, there's growing shortages there because China closed so far about 150 uh, steel mills. So they're creating their own shortage, which of course raises the price. So they got a long way to go from $300 a ton to $1,400 before they have to uh, uh, you know, be concerned. They can make a lot of money uh, doing that and, and being the uh, social citizen of the world by reducing their carbon footprint. Right. which we don't do, right? haven't so, done a good job of. Interesting number out of China now. This is like the fifth month of them running at a 51 PMI, and that's the national number. Yeah. Uh, and I, So I tend to look at that one uh, versus the other one, which is a private number. It's, so it's not overwhelming. I mean, you'd think that number would be 60 or something if things were right. really humming really hard. I don't know why it's 51. I can't. I haven't been there in a long time. It's hard for me to tell. But at 51, that's really low for China. Correct. On the other hand, you got Germany running at 64, you know, down from, they've been running at over 60 since uh, February. And, you know, Germany makes a lot of the machinery that I, I think China is probably, probably, you know, one or two of their primary export houses, you know, capital equipment is, is German, you know, German is capital equipment country. Right. And they ship a lot of them to China. Most of the Chinese product used to capital equipment used to come from Germany. So, you know, maybe they're trying to recapitalize. Maybe they're trying to invest for more capacity so that they can, expand more, but at 51, it's not, it's not really thrilling. No, they're, and their numbers have always been a little suspect. Uh, that aside, Tim, uh, summarize inputs and outputs for us. And uh, I mean, we really appreciate the, the information and anything else you want to touch on to flesh this out. We just want to remind our listeners that the, this long version of the ISM report uh, you can get only on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're very grateful to the ISM for doing it with us. 
Okay, so uh, you know, I track this stuff: demand, consumption, inputs. You know, demand exceptionally strong again, sixty-seven on the new order level. New export orders were up a half a point to fifty-five. That's a good level. Uh, so lots of opportunity there, primarily probably from Europe. Europe is still a bit sluggish. Uh, record backlogs at seventy point six. Record up up uh, two point four points from the prior month. Customer inventories at twenty-eight. Record lows down another half a point. Twenty-eight. I mean, the just about right inventory number is about 46, 48, and, and we're sitting there at 28. So demand was really good. Uh, consumption hurt. Uh, let's skip that. We'll come back to it. The input story is a big story again. Supplier deliveries at 78, up almost four points from the prior month. Uh, like I said, I think we hadn't seen a number like that since uh, the early 2000s. Inventory flat. Would have liked to have seen that grow, but at least it didn't contract like it did the prior month, which is positive. So I think maybe they're making a little bit of gains there. Uh, import number came up almost two points to 54. Still a lot of backlogs in the ports. It hasn't ended, probably will not end. It's gonna probably run right into the holiday period. So that's gonna be something that everybody has to deal with. And the prices number eased off, uh, but it's at 88. So it was almost 90 last month. So, wow. uh, so I think the consumption piece, which is production and employment is kind of the result of the other two. In this case, this month, for sure, the employment number not expanding uh, by anything. I mean, they expanded by 0.9 is a telling story that we still do not have the workforce back in place, not only at our panelist companies, uh, but also at their suppliers. And you know, until that gets resolved, uh, we're going to be sitting here with, with unplanned variables that we have to deal with. But in any event, I mean, the 61.2 PMI number is fantastic, like I said. I think that the, uh, the 14 states that have uh, bailed out of the unemployment uh, payments uh, will make a difference in next month's report. Yeah, it's definitely going to make a difference. You know, the question is when. Uh, I think they're shutting it off at the end of June. Oh, uh, but, if, okay. but if I was on those rolls, I'd be looking now because I'm Good not going to go the month of July <laughs> without a paycheck. Right, right. So right. I think that's really good. I think, you know, we mentioned this earlier. The question is, what's the other guys? What are the other states going to do? And and how yeah. much of a percent of the economy are that? Is it 12 or is that the number 12? Um, I think the number of states that have opted out now is 14. 14. Is that, I heard last night 14, but who knows? Yeah, I was thinking like 20, but I, I don't know whether that's 40% uh, of the economy or 65%, but I think it's a good sign. I mean, I, th yeah. I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, I, I think, like I said, uh, people staying home to take care of their kids is now history is gone. That's no, it's no longer an issue anymore. Right. And if you're really concerned about your safety, get vaccinated. And I think more and more companies are saying that to their employees is no longer can you go to the work site, come in for two days and say, I really don't feel safe. I'm going home and then go back in unemployment. That's all seems to be stopping. And, and the unemployment agencies seem to be challenging people to go out and look for jobs. They waived that for the last year. You didn't have to actually even be looking. You just collected your check. So, you know, people will, will adjust to that. And you know, the other thing is people who haven't been actively working in the workforce, they've got to get their head right to get back in. You don't just show back up and you're 100% productive. It's going to be a bit of a shock for them coming off the, <laughs> coming out of the house to go back to taking the drive on the commute. And yeah. That's... So, do you have any words for our uh, Canadian friends? and audience and customers. 
That's kind of sad. I mean, I think they're not uh, they're not holding back the U.S. economy, fortunately, because we are you know fairly heavily integrated, especially there in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel bad that they are not able to deploy the vaccine as quickly as we are. I think there's some foundational issues there that go back to long term relations with the pharma companies and the public health system that's doing that. People talk about you know free public health and stuff. I think you're seeing some of the impact of that really in Canada. And it's unfortunate. I mean, you take the good, but the not so good. In this case, it's not so good. Uh, but you know, they'll they'll clear through that. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Um, surprisingly, or, or you know, pleasingly, Mexico is doing pretty good. They're very very strict about mask wearing. Uh, in the contacts that I have, uh, I mean, you can't even be in a car without a mask on. And that <laughs> seems to, it seems to have tamped everything down, which is good because you don't want another India for sure. So. So North America is doing pretty good, I think. This is an excellent report, uh, very strong. Uh, uh, we exceeded expectations. I think the expectation was 60.2 or 60.3, came in at 61.2. You can see what the issue is. It's labor at all levels of the supply chain. And you know, I think we're starting to peak out here a little bit in terms of price growth and, uh, and lead time pushouts. And I don't see it all whipsawing and collapsing at all. Like I've said before, I think we've got a six month overlap here with the service industry. Uh, services is open up really quickly. Uh, you know, everybody lives in different spots. Where I'm at, uh, it's pretty much the way it was pre pandemic, which is really good. And like I said, you know, if you wanna be, get, get out and live again, get the vaccine. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real big relief. So now we just have to worry about maybe some variants because there's a lot of people who aren't vaccinated and that tends to lead towards uh, mutations in the vaccine. And I'm, I'm kind of expecting a booster shot probably in the fall, which is fine. I'll take the booster shot. So I feel bad for places like India. It's a great country, a lot of really hard workers. They did some stumbles. They don't have the social support that we do. They don't have the financial wherewithal to, to do what we do. And, and that's going to impact some of the supply chain too, probably in the next month or two. Lead times coming out of India are pretty extended. Transporting product from a factory to the U.S. is not a straight four weeks like it is in China. It's, it's a, a bit more difficult to do that because of the highway systems. But uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to get their way through this. We'll be able to get more vaccines out to play industrial centers like India. And if you think about it, all the major industrial centers are pretty well covered here, except for probably Bangladesh, clothes, India, forgings, fabrications, uh, maybe Indonesia. I mean, that's kind of Pakistan. That's kind of where we're at now. The, the major manufacturing sites are, are well underway. So um, you know, really good. Like I said, I don't think we have headwinds anymore. I think there are obstacles. And an obstacle is something that you kind of evaluate, you make a decision, and you leap over it or you go around it. And that's kind of probably where we're at. Sounds good to me. Tim, Tim, you, made, you made one interesting comment I just want to wrap back to as we sum up here. And that was that you felt that the Port congestion was going to be with us through the holiday season, meaning the end of the year. What are the drivers? What's causing it? Well, I think that we, we continue to have transportation difficulties coming out of Asia. Uh, we're still trying to restock. I mean, raw materials are uh, raw material inventory is low in part because we don't have material coming domestically and internationally. Uh, I, I think the social distancing issue at the ports that existed late last year have gone. That's no longer an issue. But we still have lots of trade going on internationally here. And I think we're, if, if it wasn't for the holiday season, it, we probably would clear up by September. But I think by then we're into the holiday season rush. 
And then we're into the uh, Lunar New Year issue in uh, you know December, January. So I think the port issues are going to remain with us for a while. And I, I hope that they do because it just means that there's a lot of economic activity. You got to move goods. I would agree. Thanks, Tim. We appreciate you being with us and we encourage everybody to go to ismworld.org for more information and the actual report itself. You can sign up and get the report. Tim, again, thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank, Thank you. About. Great to be Thank here. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's all pitch in for June. You bet. Yeah, that's right. We will. And well, as thanks. you are surfing the web, you go to ismworld.org. Also stop by jacketmediaco.com where you can find links to all of our podcasts and our e-zine, which is a free e-zine. You can sign up for Manufacturing Outlook. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.